I believe in them, right? I believe in and validate who they are um, and also have high expectations. I think before you can implement any system or any best practice, you have to believe what you are doing is important for all students and you want them to achieve. This is Jennifer Grandberry, and you're listening to Voices from the Field, insights from educators who are positively impacting student learning in the classroom. In this episode, Arlana Bedard, a Programs and Services Director with Consortium for Educational Change, speaks with Eugene Robinson, Jr., the Director of Post-Secondary Support and Strategy with the Chicago Public Schools Office of Network Support. Eugene and Arlana discuss how school systems can better ensure post-secondary success for African-American male students. You have a number of areas of expertise, including coaching and supporting adults, helping integrate the systems of data into practice, and believing post-secondaries for each and every student. Tell me how these intersect with your current role Thanks, Alana. I'm super excited to be here. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Um, I think um, all three of those intersect really nicely. Um, it allows me to, one, um, support a group of schools called our options, our alternative high schools. Um, and so my role was sort of developed by the chief of um, strategy for Chicago Public Schools, um, Liz Kirby, um, as an effort to ensure that post-secondary for all included our students who were in the alternative schools, our options high schools. And so I get to do a little bit of coaching adults and leaders, um, helping schools implement systems of support like Naviance, which is um, a district-wide college and career sort of planning tool for all students, um, as well as other sort of best practices that exist within our district-managed schools um, as a way of folded into the work of the option counselor or school leader. I also get the opportunity to work closely with our chiefs and really helping them with their vision um, and really with their strategy work at the network level, but then also being a liaison between the Office of Network Support and then the other departments that really support that post-secondary work, like our Office of College and Career um, Success, the Office of sort of Teaching and Learning to ensure that when we say post-secondary for all, that it lives to and through every department. That sounds really, like really in critical work um, and I'm wondering, what's your why? Because I happen to know that you give every, you, you give 110%, and I know that you're very involved with these strategy conversations as well as what's happening in the schools with students, and you regularly interact to support individual students. Um, what's your why? What really motivates you? I think my why is because I'm a product of Chicago Public Schools. I'm a product of Chicago, um, and the students look like me. Every day that I go into a building, I can find um, a student that looks like me, probably has a similar background. So the why for me is closely connected to who I am as an individual and being a product of Chicago and Chicago Public Schools. So I got the opportunity to attend a, a well-known high school, Limbloon High School, that I think exposed me to a lot of opportunities. They had a lot of caring adults that um, that supported me along the way, and I got that when I'm 
went off to college, and I wasn't your typical student who went off to a four-year college. I went to culinary school. I'm also a young person who did a gap year, city, city year. But then I went and completed a formal bachelor's degree education as well as a master's degree education. That's where we are now, where I got my master's in social work from the University of Chicago. So that's all layered into my why. So Eugene, you just shared a little bit about your journey within schools and really what led you to really supporting young people like this. I'd like to ask you, uh, when you think about yourself when you were much younger, <laughs> what were some of the things that really stand out that you know have impacted your vision for this work? I think for me, um, I was privileged in the sense of um, that I had a lot of caring adults around me that supported me from um, growing up to my grandmother to my parents to an older sister who was just an amazing scholar who ranked number one all four years of high school, graduated valedictorian. So at home I got to see what like hard work looks like and success and celebrate that. Um, I also think that when I got to college I had similar adults um, that were supporting me and championing me when I got to grad school had those same adults. So I had a cheerleading squad all throughout I think my growing up all the way up until now as a 39 year old adult I have a cheerleading squad and I think that is what I bring into my work every single day and when I'm working with adults um, often encouraging them how do we develop sort of cheerleaders or champions in schools um, when I'm working with um, colleges and universities so my work also spills over into higher ed how do we make sure that there are champions um, in every school and I also like to debunk this myth of pick yourself up by your bootstraps um, when a lot of our students don't have really good boots or boots with holes in them or they don't strap up. And so I think because I got that and I grew up on the south side of Chicago in Inglewood and Auburn Gresham neighborhood, um, I think that that's important for the same young people that are living in those neighborhoods now. And so I lead with that passion. And I didn't start out wanting to do this. I went to culinary school, graduated, worked in a restaurant, but I stumbled upon a program that my mother mentioned called AmeriCorps, which is City Year. And so if you've ever seen the red jackets floating around of young people who are idealistic, that one year experience helped change. I went back after I took a break from college. I took a gap year. And I went back and told my advisor, I want to do away with this business management and I want to do something that is going to change people's lives or like have an impact on it. And so we talked about different professions and then I landed a job with Youth Guidance, um, which is a social work based agency. And it just led me to getting a master's in social work. But I think that's what I bring to the table every single day, whether I'm working with students or working with adults. Thank you for sharing that about yourself. And what I take from it is there's power in you know, strategy, monitoring data, but what it really comes down to are the individuals that serve young people, serve as those cheerleaders, individuals who 
band together to really um, support young people, whether it's in the family, in the neighborhood, um, in, at the school? Absolutely. Um, I think starting there, and I believe in every student that I work with, um, I believe in them. And that's what drives me, and I think that's why I love the work that I'm doing now, working with alternative high schools, um, because these students deserve that same belief. What are some of the things that we should be doing in schools to better support our African-American male students? What questions should we be asking ourselves? One of the, the one thing that I will stand by is that's a part of my work. I believe in them, right? I believe in and validate who they are um, and also have high expectations. I think before you can implement any system or any best practice, you have to believe what you are doing um, is important for all students and you want them to achieve. So I think that's the one thing that I would say that's really important is to start with the belief. What are some things you do when you're working with leaders, whether they're school leaders, teacher leaders, uh, principals, district leaders, to really uncover that and support that, if that's so foundational? So if I'm working with school leaders, I think about, I always ask them the same way you ask me my why, I ask them their why. And their why in relation to um, the work that they're doing as a building leader, and then what is the school's overall mission and what is and connecting that mission in my current role is connecting it back to the overall um, Chicago Public Schools mission. But I also think that it's important to understand the why for the adults and why they're doing their work. So I also start with that. And what is it that they want to see for every student that is going to graduate from their school? And I start with that. And then we sort of backwards sort of map or take some steps back to figure out where are we now with what you said, what you want the outcomes to be with the students, who's not sitting at that table, um, and where are those students that are not sitting at the table, and, they, um, and how can we get those students that are falling behind at the table to achieve what it is that you say that you want for every student. Let's say you've been working within a school environment and with the, the leadership for a little while, really trying to get to those underlying beliefs and um, really affirm um, why we're here in this building supporting students. And uh, you're at the point where as a school community, um, let's say as a strategy group, that we need to now begin implementing some practices that are aligned to these beliefs. And I know it's different for every school and every district. You know, there's a, a local um, piece there. But what would you say might be one or two of the top strategies or practices uh, that schools are implementing that make a difference? Um, I think some of the practices that have to put in place is setting the outcomes that you want to see, right? Mm -hmm. What do you, where do you want students to be? So if you, if it's college enrollment, if it's for Chicago, we have something called concrete post-secondary plan. We don't make sure every student has a concrete post-secondary plan. So if that's what you want, that's the high expectation. So regardless if a student is only been with us for a short amount of time, if they are special needs students or ELL, we still want to make sure that um, that they have the college and career sort of success 
that you envision for them. And so I think just starting there and then um, taking a sort of assessment or a deep dive into your own, your school's culture. Like how is your school culture helping to sort of ensure that students are successful? What are some challenges students are facing? Um, do you not have enough um, is the council organization support? Are you understaffed? Um, do you have the systems put in place? Do you have goals set in place? So I think the two things is analyzing your school culture and setting the outcomes that you want for students and then working your way back from that. I think when schools know where they want to go, then we can sort of figure out along the way how can we get there. And who all needs to be there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that could include um, teachers, right? Making sure that teachers are a part of that conversation. Um, what other adults? I think when you think about how a school can be organized to support students, every adult, I believe that every adult in a school should be supporting the overall school sort of mission and vision, regardless if you are a security guard, if you're a school clerk, if you're a lunchroom staff, to a teacher, to a counselor, every adult there should be focused on that one or two outcomes that you want for every student. So my follow-up question, um, because I work, and, and you probably do as well, with both high school level populations, uh, adult and student populations, as well as elementary school. And while the concepts of uh, outcomes and school culture certainly apply to elementary as well, uh, sometimes it's a little more difficult for uh, practitioners in elementary school to really think about how do we at our level truly prepare students for that post-secondary world. Certainly making sure that there are successful students and, and high expectations as part of it. Is there anything else we should be thinking about if we're at the elementary school level in terms of ensuring that post-secondary success? I think one of the things over the years that I've sort of learned um, as it relates to working with sort of elementary schools and middle schools is to help young, especially middle school students, think about that career, where they want to be, right? Every, you know, helping students sort of envision, I want to be, um, I want to be a police officer, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor. Um, having a career identity, I think it's really important in the middle school um, because those young people can connect all the things that they need to do in life back to that career identity that they have for themselves. And so it's as simple as helping middle school students learn how to set goals, right? Learn how to research um, colleges or careers, um, understanding the skills and knowledge that it takes to be a teacher, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer. Um, and they will automatically connect that career identity to high school, right? Helping them make the decision on the best high school that's going to get them to that career that they envision for themselves. So in middle school, I think middle schools, or K through 8th if you're designed that way, or 6th through 8th, um, they can really um, the sky's the limit and be innovative and creative on how you help young people envision this life after high school from a career so an identity standpoint. So let me push on that a little bit and just explore it just a little further. There are people who feel very strongly that um, expecting a 11-year-old or 12-year-old to have a fully fleshed out idea of what they want to be um, may be more limiting than they feel comfortable with, or you know, th this young person is not even sure who they are yet, and yet, 
we're expecting them to begin developing this identity. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's, that's, a, that's a, a great thing to sort of talk about. And I will use myself as an example. Um, I had a great elementary school experience to, I had individuals coming in to teach us how to make puppets and be um, a sort of puppet master. Um, we had someone come in and teach us the insides about being a ventriloquist. I think I said that correctly. Um, we had someone come in, teach us around fire science. I also remember in elementary school in eighth grade, in our science class, we got the opportunity to make Coca-Cola inside of our science class, right? And so I fell in love with that idea, right? And I think all of those experiences, particularly the eighth grade experience that I had, led me to falling in love with like food and food science, along with the other adults, like my mom and grandmother who were avid sort of cooks in our family. But I think it's creating experiences like that in middle school help with that sort of career identity or that identity that, um, or self-efficacy, like I want something um, much more than what I see today, I want something greater than what's there tomorrow. And I think that's what I got in middle school. It wasn't necessarily pushing me through a particular pipeline, mm -hmm. but I also think that if a young person is interested in culinary and they want to go to a high school for culinary, even if they don't do that in life, that may have helped with who they are as an individual, that may help boost their self-efficacy, their confidence, um, it also kept them engaged in school. It also could be an outlet for them. So I think it's all of those things, not necessarily tracking students down one path. I had multiple, I wanted to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. Um, I wanted to be the next Spike Lee and Steven Spielberg. Um, I also wrote plays when I was in elementary school. These are all the things that I got to explore. Um, related to the identity in which I was shaping for myself for career-wise. So it's not about, if I understand you, it's not about putting a student in a box. Right. Rather, it's about providing them a vehicle where they have options and they can explore their passions as they build that identity. Exactly, and I think particularly for um, African-American males, um, given what our session um, is going to sort of cover, I think that's really important, right? Because when we think about the images that our um, young boys of color are seeing every day, all day, um, it's not reflecting back what I just talked about. And so I think it's really important and the middle school for us to make sure that when our young people come into our buildings every day, that they get to explore who they are and what the possibilities may look like. And it doesn't always have to be scripted. When I worked at um, a high school here in Chicago, we had college and career sort of talks. It was just once a week um, out of every month where I provided lessons, 15 minutes, for teachers to talk about you know, who they are, um, how did they get to where they are today, what were some challenges that they had in life, why did they choose the major in college or who helped them get to college. These are all things that are important um, for young people um, every single day to help sort of facilitate these conversations. And since you just brought it up, 
I'd like to go to this upcoming offering uh, that you just mentioned. Can you tell the audience a bit about CEC's upcoming offering that you will be co-facilitating called Changing the Face of Success, Supporting African American Males to Ensure Post-Secondary Success? Who should attend? Why should someone attend? What will they learn? Yes, I think um, we can start with who should attend. I think um, counselors, teachers, um, principals or district administrators or anyone that is interested um, in changing the face of their own success as it relates to ensuring that we have more African-American males not only graduating from high school, but actually enrolling and graduating from college. So I think anybody that's vested in that or interested in doing that um, should consider this session. Um, I think one of the things that it will sort of, that I'm hoping that it will highlight, will highlight where we are um, locally, both nationally as it relates to sort of college enrollment or post-secondary success for African-American males and for us to sort of come together with ideas, right, and share those best practices, but then also think holistically how can we support or ensure more African-American males achieve post-secondary success. And that's going to take um, I think it's going to take for all of us to do a deep dive, which I'm hoping this session will sort of um, ensure that we do a deep dive into what does the data tell us? Mm -hmm. What are we currently doing? What are some things that we should consider? What are some practices that we should sort of think about changing or implementing as well? Let me ask you a question related to CEC's uh, theory of action, uh, because I think it ties into what you were uh, just discussing. CEC supports districts and schools around a theory of action that focuses on the system and collaboration uh, between members of that system. Um, how does this, can you highlight how this connects with your work? I think it, in my current work, um, part of what um, I often do is sort of look at data um, and then look at the current practices at schools or the systems that are not in place and really work with those schools to sort of develop. For example, um, um, we've implemented at Chicago Public Schools something called post-secondary leadership teams. And these are, um, um, this is it's similar to ILT. Some folks might be familiar mm -hmm. with the ILT. It's exactly that, but it's bringing together um, um, stakeholders with the focus around post-secondary and so that could be a teacher, a senior seminar teacher, it could be your college access partners um, as well as your principal or other stakeholders to really meet whether it be monthly or bi-monthly or weekly um, at the school's current practice as it relates to ensuring that all students graduate college and career ready, go off and be successful, um, looking at data to help drive practice, developing the strategy, and, and something also um, we often forget about is what happens when students don't achieve the outcome mm -hmm. that we want them to achieve. It also looks at what supports do I need to put in place to ensure that the students that are not achieving that success 
firm um, can actually have the opportunity of achieving that success. So that's one example of like a system to put in place that doesn't take a lot of resources. It's taking what you already have in your building, who you have in your building, and bringing them together for one single focus. I am curious, uh, in terms of the membership of the team, do you often have parents and students on those teams? Actually, the, um, the sort of idea behind post-secondary leadership teams, you want to include a parent. Um, over the years of me implementing this, I've had a few schools to do that well, um, where they've also included students um, as a being a part of that post-secondary leadership team. But yes, I think including um, parents as well as students are important aspect of a post-secondary leadership team. And the reason why I say this is because they're the beneficiaries of the work, right? Um, and they are, I think, important to engage in the sort of practices, right? So if they're the end user. So when we think about it, schools, um, parents, um, and students are the end user of all of this work that we are doing. So I think we should include the end user in the work. So I want to ask you one more question, and I think it's probably connected, but I'm not really sure. I'll throw it out there. I understand you recently presented at the South by Southwest EDU conference, and uh, I heard that you had a, that the presentation went really well. Can you tell me a bit about what you shared with your audience? It was a great experience. It was my first time actually attending um, South by Southwest EDU conference and then my first time presenting. And I went along with two of my colleagues, one from Chicago Public Schools and one from a community-based organization here in Chicago that does collective impact work called Thrive Chicago. And we presented around Summer Melt. And so for many, um, for many folks who don't know what Summer Melt is, Summer Melt is a, a phenomenon in which um, students who have college plans when they graduate that don't enroll by the fall um, following their graduation. So something happens over the summer where they melt or they actually don't enroll. So that's essentially what it means. And we sort of presented um, the district sort of strategy that's been developed and refined over many, many years. That's what I want to highlight is that although we got the opportunity or I got the opportunity to present this, this is work that's been ongoing for many, many years. And so these past two years, we took a collective impact approach. Similar to what I mentioned about the post-secondary leadership teams, that's like a collective impact, but hyper-local. That's at your school level. What I presented on was this sort of citywide collective impact approach that we took and how we engaged all of our college access partners in this work around supporting this phenomenon called summer melt. And as a direct result of that, we saw a decrease in our summer melt rate and we saw an increase in our college enrollment Congratulations rate. on Thank that. Thank you. That's wonderful. Before we wrap this up, Eugene, I'd like to ask if there's anything uh, you would like to share that we haven't discussed already that really um, would be useful or a value to our audience when they're thinking about post-secondary success for African-American male students and other students as well. The one thing I would like to add is that the session that's coming up um, I'm, is going to be filled with the same passion that I'm talking with you about and that 
the answers um, is in the work, right? In the work that we collectively do together and in the learning that we can share. And so this session is going to be about that, um, about looking at strategies, looking at data, but then also asking ourselves, are we leading with that passion? Do we believe in students? Can we collectively come together to ensure the success for all students? And so, and that's what I want everyone to sort of walk away with and go back and try and innovate and be creative to ensure that African-American um, male students are giving a fighting chance for success. That was Eugene Robinson Jr. with Chicago Public Schools. If you'd like to learn more about closing the achievement gap and improving post-secondary outcomes for black male students, join Eugene and Arlana on Wednesday, September 18th for the leadership series, Changing the Face of Success, supporting African-American males to ensure post-secondary success. This workshop will take place at National Lewis University in Lyle, Illinois, and you can sign up right now at cecweb.org. To learn more about the Consortium for Educational Change and TURN, visit cecweb.org and turnweb.org.